Welcome to this special edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Women on the front line. We highlight some of the courageous women we have talked to over the past year who are working tirelessly, doing their part to end abortion in America. Two of these women, Drs. Christina Francis and Tara Sandor Lee, spoke with us just after the fall of Roe to debunk the dangerous lies of the pro-abortion industry. Changing minds through passionate witness. Pam Stenzel of Community Pregnancy Clinics travels throughout Florida and the country to help expectant parents choose life. We sat down with her at their center in Gainesville, right across the street from the University of Florida, to hear her story and learn how it saved lives. Faith in miracles. Jessica Hanna was encouraged to have an abortion when she was diagnosed with terminal cancer during her pregnancy. She rejected abortion, placing her trust in God and the saints, and was greatly rewarded. Women all over the nation are on the front line saving moms and babies. In this special EWTN Pro-Life Weekly episode, we take a look at women from different walks of life who have made this their mission. We'll start by taking a look back at the days just after Roe vs. Wade fell. Two women, Drs. Christina Francis and Tara Sander Lee, joined us then to cut through the lies we were hearing from pro-abortion leaders. As the abortion industry continues to try and maintain their grip on the minds and hearts of young women, these two doctors work tirelessly to ensure that women have the real facts about their pregnancies, the dangers of the Planned Parenthood industry, and the reality of abortion. I'm joined now for medical analysis by Dr. Christina Francis, board member and CEO-elect at the Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and Dr. Tara Sander Lee, Senior Fellow and Director of Life Sciences at the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Dr. Francis, thanks for joining me. Delivering babies into the world is what you do day in and day out. So what was your initial reaction to the news of Rose Overturn? Yeah, thank you, Prudence, for having me on uh, to really celebrate this momentous decision uh, with you and all of your viewers. You know, I was um, overjoyed on Friday when I heard the news and, and honestly a little dumbfounded that it actually happened. But, you know, the knowledge that now in this country, women and children have a chance at real health care as opposed to being subject to uh, the restrictions that, that Roe placed on states to be able to protect the safety of the women and children in their state. Just overjoyed that now we're gonna be able to have real discussions on a state level and that all of those pro-life physicians that have gone ahead of me, um, APLOG, the organization that I work with, came into existence the year that Roe was decided. And in the 49 years since then, all of my mentors that have gone ahead of me have worked so hard towards this day. And so it was just, uh, a wonderful day to know that the work and the voices of these pro-life physicians um, had finally paid off. I think overjoyed is the perfect way to put it. And Dr. Lee, thank you for joining us as well. You have joined us many times here on Pro-Life Weekly, bringing us the scientific facts that demand that these unborn children be protected under the law. What's going through your head right now? You know, again, thank you so much for having me, Prudence. And this is an incredible moment of celebration. I mean, Roe and Casey were an egregious wrong in the history of America. And, 
you know, as I've, I've said many times on this show, science reveals the truth about how each one of these babies developing inside the womb is a human being from conception until birth that should be protected. And now the American people, through their elected officials at the state and federal level, can finally have their voice heard. I mean, in states where now in states where abortion is now illegal, abortion clinics are closing, pregnancy help centers are providing material needs and help to women that desperately need it if they're facing an unexpected pregnancy, lives are being saved, and hearts as early as six weeks are now beating that would have been stopped stopped if not for the Dobbs decision last Friday. So this is a huge win and we are so excited. Yes, praise God for that. And ladies, I want to talk about some misinformation we're hearing regarding ectopic pregnancies. Pro-abortion politicians and reporters are saying that the Roe decision means that women won't be able to get the treatment they need if they experience this complication. Dr. Francis, I want to start with you. Can you just explain what an ectopic ectopic pregnancy is and what the treatment would be. Are these claims from the pro-abortion side true? Yes, absolutely. You know, my my heart has been breaking over the last few days as I see this misinformation really being spread. And I think a lot of women are legitimately feeling scared that they're not going to be able to receive life-saving treatment when they need it. So an ectopic pregnancy, put simply, is a, a pregnancy where the embryo has implanted somewhere outside of the uterus, where it's not supposed to be. And these pregnancies are a legitimate threat to the life of the mother. Um, ectopic pregnancies are still the leading cause of maternal mortality in the first trimester. So there's a very real situations that we have to deal with. But treating an ectopic pregnancy is not the same thing as an abortion. The only intent of an abortion is to intentionally end the life of that embryonic or fetal human being, of that preborn child. That's not our intent when we treat an ectopic pregnancy. And in fact, we use completely different procedures to treat an ectopic pregnancy than physicians use to do induced abortions. And so these procedures will in no way be restricted by state laws that restrict abortion. In fact, many state laws specifically accept ectopic pregnancies out of the law. And even pre-Roe in states where abortion was illegal, physicians were not restricted in their ability to take care of ectopic pregnancies. So, you know, this message needs to stop being spread. I'm a pro-life physician. I've never needed to do an abortion to adequately treat my patients or to save the life of my maternal patient. And yet I treat ectopic pregnancies all the time. Mm. All of this is so important, and I'm so thankful to have had you both on the show today. Dr. Tara Sanderley and Dr. Christina Francis, thank you so much. Women whose lives have been impacted by abortion have been coming out of the woodwork with the overturn of Roe. But one of these women has been sharing her story far longer than that. Melissa Odin survived a saline abortion and lived to tell about her miraculous life. She then founded the Abortion Survivors Network, a group dedicated to connecting people like her who have survived brutal abortion attempts. The group is now over 600 members strong. Though our movement suffered a loss when Kansas did not pass the Value Them Both Amendment earlier this year, Melissa and her team fought hard to expose the truth about the abortion extremism that Kansans currently face. I am here with Melissa Odin. She's the CEO of the Abortion Survivors Network and a spokesperson for Value Them Both. Melissa, thanks so much for being here with me. I'd love to start by just asking you about your reaction to the overturn of Roe versus Wade. You've been working in this movement for so long. How has this moment impacted the Abortion Survivors Network? 
It's one of those moments, I think, that's still so surreal for most of us in the pro-life movement, kind of pinching yourself and saying, did this really just happen? Was Roe really just overturned? You know, I used to tell people I thought I would see Roe overturned in my children's lifetimes. They're 14 and 7. But being there for oral arguments last year when the court took up the case, I really felt like most people did that we were going to see it happen in our lifetime. But still, there is nothing that prepares you for that moment. I was actually at the National Right to Life Convention preparing to speak, and I was on the phone with someone with the Value Them Both Amendment preparing our responses to what would happen, no matter what the ruling was. And so, you know, I'll never forget saying to that person on the phone, I can't breathe. I can't breathe when I was seeing it roll out from the blog. And, you know, the first text I got was from my 14-year-old daughter who was downstairs with pro-life teens. And she said, Mom, I need to see you. And so I got to run downstairs and hug a child who never would have lived if that abortion would have been successful in ending my life. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what this moment in time is really about, Prudence, is, you know, really entering a new era for our country where lives are protected and respected. Children like me, women like my birth mother, future generations like my own children. There's no doubt that women working in pregnancy centers are on the front lines. For so many children, they are the bridge between life or death. Pam Stenzel is one of these women who has a powerful story of her own that has literally helped change minds and save unborn children. Here with Pam Stenzel, she is the Client Services Director at Community Pregnancy Clinics in Florida. Pam, thanks so much for joining me and welcoming us to the Gainesville Center. Oh, so good to be here. Thanks for coming. Yeah, really happy to be here. Talk to me about Community Pregnancy Clinics. You know, this is just one of seven locations statewide. Talk to me about how you got your start and how you expanded. Yeah, so Community Pregnancy Clinics was one of the original 13 pregnancy centers in the United States. The Naples office, which is our kind of flagship original, um, was opened in 1974. And so um, from Naples, uh, we expanded to Fort Myers and then uh, subsequently expanded into uh, Sarasota, which was kind of my favorite one when we, we went there, I should have favorites, but because we're literally right in the parking lot of Planned Parenthood there in, in Sarasota. So so when the board came together and they said, where else do we need to go? Where, where, where do we need to expand in the state of Florida to make the most impact? And we looked at the abortion numbers and you look at them in ratio, so counties, uh, how many abortions per live birth. And we looked at the counties in Florida, where, where is the biggest problem or, you know, where, where do we need to go? Well, the, the number one county in the state of Florida is Leon County, which is Tallahassee, which is Florida State University. Right. And then uh, the, the second highest abortion ratio county-wise was Alachua County in, in Gainesville here at the University of Florida. So that was really our reason or desire to come and, and, and be a presence here and really make ourselves uh, as close to campus as we could be, identifying with campus as we could be. We've got 55,000 students here at University of Florida and another 15,000 or so at Santa Fe. So there are a lot of students in a small area here in, in Gainesville. And so that was really kind of the reasoning of, of coming here and being a part of, of, of building a community of life here. And yes, we're, we want to save babies and help moms, but, but we are really concerned about changing culture. Mm -hmm. 
and and that has a lot to do with with having you know the dignity of the person right and talk to me about that specific mission that you have here at the Gainesville Center to reach out to students especially at a time where they are being particularly attacked by the abortion industry by Democrats who want to sell them the lie that they need abortion to be successful to be happy Right. So, so the, the, the lie has been so strong to the, especially a college age or the college population, mm -hmm. because it's like, you can't finish school. You, you couldn't uh, be a mom and still attain all of these goals that you have. So, so, you know, you want to make sure you just get that abortion, you know, really quick so that you can do all those things. The reality is that's not true. That, that, that having a child it doesn't need to end all of those dreams. And we want to make sure that, that they know that, hey, you could still choose life for your child and, and still accomplish, you know, all of those goals that you have for your future, whether you choose to parent or maybe you might choose to uh, make an adoption plan, which would also be the greatest thing for your child, but also allow you to continue all of those things. And, and, and bigger than that for me um, is, is saying, you know, let's talk about the decisions we're making that put us in that position, right? right? And so, you know, there's a reason why uh, the abortion clinics and the Planned Parenthoods place themselves near university campuses, because that's our epicenter, 15 to 24. That's the age where we know there's a lot of uh, decisions being made about sex and, and, and that's causing these consequences pregnancy, STI infections, and all of those things. Right, so. right, absolutely. Well, great stuff happening here at the Gainesville Center. I also understand two of your locations are mobile clinics. Could you right. talk to me a little bit about the services that clients can get at those mobile facilities? Yeah, sure. Our mobile clinics are equipped with an ultrasound uh, and a bathroom, so we can do all of the medical services we do in clinic on the mobile unit. So we can do an ultrasound, we can do the pregnancy test, we can do STI screening, we do chlamydia, gonorrhea, their, their urine-based tests. So all of that can happen in the mobile clinic as well. So one of our mobile clinics down in the southwest part is able to actually go to the Florida Gulf Coast University campus, and so that helps us reach them without having a physical building right there. And um, we then they can also go into the more rural communities and, and bring that mobile clinic, you know, on site mm -hmm. uh, to different places that, and, and people that might have a harder time getting into, whether it's the Sarasota community or, or Naples or Fort Myers, we can go out into the more rural uh, Eastern counties. Yeah, yeah, that's really effective. And what do you think about the fact that Planned Parenthood has mobilized these mobile clinics to distribute chemical abortion pills, you know? How, how do these clinics that you have, these mobile clinics, stand up against what Planned Parenthood is providing? Well, it's interesting. I would like to see what they have on board. If they're, the, the biggest problem with chemical abortion and the way that the abortion industry is pushing it now today and then trying to get into states where th things might not be as legal, so now we're going to park them on the border states, um, is they're giving out this chemical abortion without doing an ultrasound. And it is absolutely imperative that no woman take that, that drug or those drugs, but for sure the first one, without having an ultrasound. We have to know that baby's viable, that there's a heartbeat. There's no reason to have an abortion for a baby that's not even living. Um, we need to know baby is where baby is supposed to be, in in the uterus and not in the tube, in an ectopic. That's life-threatening. And taking the abortion pill with an ectopic pregnancy could won't 
cure the ectopic pregnancy problem and could kill her. And we also know, need to know how far along she is. We need to, to be able to, uh, to properly date her. The only way you can do that, there's no test, there's no pregnancy test, there's no telemed ability to get any of that information. You have to have an ultrasound. And the reality is the abortion industry doesn't care about women's health. They don't care about the risk to her life. They don't care about her future fertility or hemorrhaging or having any, that, that doesn't matter to them. They care about the abortion. And so they're willing to bypass these things in order to just give her a drug without knowing whether this drug could ultimately uh, cause, her t cause her death, certainly hemorrhaging. Right, yeah, well, thank you so much for all of your knowledge about that, really helpful. And we have about a minute left, but I just wanted to ask what your reaction is to all of the attacks that we have seen on pregnancy centers like this. You know, since the Dobbs decision, there have been over 100 attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers. Have you experienced anything like that here? And what do you think about what's going on? It's so sad. First of all, they say they're, they're pro-choice, they're not. They're pro-abortion, and then, then the 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 industry, the those of us in this ministry who are helping women, who are actually doing something to provide choices for women, they're they're attacking us. They're attacking us by calling us fake clinics, which is ridiculous. All of our staff are medically trained. We're RNs, our sonographers. We have OBGYNs. We are not a fake clinic, and so it's so important that people understand that. And then they go as far as to physically attack. The, the buildings, and we're fortunate that, that we have not had that, yes. and, and, um, and so we're grateful for that, but I know we're in prayer all the time for all of our, our sister ministries across this country who are under attack, and, and, and it, it's lies, and it's, it's anger, and a lot of times for me, when I look at the, the anger coming from the other side, a lot of it is women who are wounded. And you have to remember that these are probably women who are wounded by abortion, and the only way they know how to lash out is in anger. And so if we can have some compassion, and I, I do, I pray for them. And so, you know, hope that you find healing, because at that point, then you'll understand that what we're doing is actually helping women. Amen. Well, thank you so much. You are certainly doing God's work. Pam Stenzel of Community Pregnancy Clinics, thanks for joining us. Thanks, sweetie. Coming up, executives in the fashion industry are exploiting toddlers and want society to accept their crimes against the innocence of children. I speak out. And on an inspiring note, we look back to our discussion with Jessica Hanna, a courageous mother of four who survived terminal cancer while pregnant with her youngest child. Welcome back to this special edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Fashion chain Balenciaga used Christmas, the season celebrating our Lord's birth, to launch a sick child predator campaign. That is this week's Speak Out segment. Balenciaga has scrubbed an ugly campaign from its website after receiving backlash from all sides due to the obscene and exploitative nature of its content. The campaign featured pictures of toddlers holding teddy bears in bondage outfits, surrounded by alcohol and pornographic paraphernalia, 
One image shows pages from a court document strewn about the table. The words visible on one page cite a Supreme Court case from 1996 in which it was ruled that virtual child pornography is protected speech. The galvanized response to the campaign on social media was enough to force the leading fashion brand to cancel its campaign and apologize for the images. They said they, quote, never intended to include them in their narrative. But this begs the question, why then was the campaign approved by top executives at Balenciaga? Someone had to sign off, right? Make no mistake, there are slimy people in the fashion industry who are on the prowl for the next opportunity to rob your children of their innocence. This depravity must be called out as a clear attack on you and your family. And those of us in the business of protecting children demand answers. A few months back, we spoke with Jessica Hanna, a woman whose unbreakable faith and trust in the Lord led to a miracle. She joined us to share her journey, the way she fought against the abortion industry that pressured her to kill her baby, and the saints that helped her realize and embrace the truth. And joining me now via Zoom is Jessica Hanna, pro-life advocate and cancer survivor. Jessica, thanks so much for joining me. Tell us about your journey and how giving birth to your son, Thomas Solanus, was different than your other pregnancies. It was so different. I mean, this was God calling me to something so big. Um, I've always been a big pro-life advocate ever since I was younger, prior to being married, prior to ever having children, very outspoken about it, social media, friends, uh, whether it's social suicide or you're about to get attacked by the other side. I, I was always so vocal about it. And um, when it came to being pregnant with my fourth child, um, one day I discovered that I had a dent in my breast and this was before I was pregnant. I, I saw I had a dent in my breast in the mirror and it turned out to be uh, cancer, uh, breast cancer. And I, at first they misdiagnosed it. They told me it was fine. It was benign. I end up getting pregnant only two weeks later. And he's the one that actually saved my life because if it wasn't for me getting pregnant, I never would have double checked it. It was actually when I went to the first OB appointment, um, I decided that, Hey, you know, there was this thing that was there. Why don't we get it looked at again? And yes, it did become, um, evident that it actually was breast cancer. Wow. And so this baby saved my life. And from then on, it was just a journey of, wow, now you've talked the talk, the pro-life talk. Now you've become the woman that everybody uses in their arguments. What if the woman's life is in danger? And now it's time for me to walk the walk. So yeah. very wow. different. That's amazing. And so courageous that you chose life. Which saints played a big role in your journey, Jessica? So the biggest saint, one of them assumed to be saint, is Blessed Father Solanus Casey. He's located in Detroit. His body's buried in a tomb here. Um, and I went to him after every chemo uh, therapy treatment, and I prayed at his tomb for me to be miraculously healed and for my son to come out um, beautiful and healthy. Another big saint was Saint Gianna Bredamola, who you know was also um, pregnant with a life-threatening illness. And she, as I, chose the middle road. So I did choose to do some treatment that was safe during uh, pregnancy. As many people are not aware, chemotherapy can be actually quite safe during pregnancy. And so I chose the middle road that I would do some chemotherapy with some modifications. And she was a big inspiration for me. In fact, her daughter, uh, Dr. Gianna, who she gave birth to, um, actually sent me an email and sent me one of her relic cards during oh my, um, my fight. 
Wow, yeah. that's so beautiful. And those saints delivered a miracle. Tell us about how you have used social media to highlight your sorrows and your joys throughout this difficult time. So when I got diagnosed, I felt God calling me to something. I thought, I, I thought no suffering should ever go to waste. Mm. So instead of kind of just curling up in a ball and crying or waiting to see what would happen and then share with people, I thought I'm going to share immediately. I literally made a social media two days after my diagnosis. I didn't know where God was taking me. I didn't know if I would live or die. Of course, after my surgery, they found it was a 13 centimeter tumor, 43 lymph nodes positive. They told my husband I was terminal, likely terminal. They couldn't scan me, they couldn't figure it out, but it looked like it appeared that the, the cancer was probably everywhere all over my body if it was that big mm. under my breast and my arm. And I thought, you know what? When I got that news, I said, well, I'm gonna keep going with this. I, I don't know where God's taking me. Is he gonna take me to um, the path where I need to show people how to die gracefully with his grace and mercy? Or is he gonna show a miracle? And I didn't know what it was, but I decided to use the social media to show people that no matter what you think is going to happen, it's, God, it's trust in God that's the most important. It's the trust that you are going to abandon your own desires and wants, and you're going to leave it at the foot of the cross and let him take care of it. And so I brought people along this journey. And what I would do is I would post novenas and prayers, and we all would pray together. We prayed together before every treatment. We prayed during treatments. I also used my treatments as a way to offer up. So I would post that, okay, today I'm getting chemo and I offer it to so-and-so person who messaged me with their uh, problem that they're having. Mm. So it was a way to make a prayer community to offer up our sufferings. And I showed people how I would unite my sufferings with Christ's cross. And um, it's just become this really big and amazing prayer community that I'm so grateful for. Such and now we pray for other people as well who send in their own requests. Yeah, such a testament to the power of prayer. Your strength is so admirable, Jessica. What is your message to mothers who are going through difficult pregnancies and might even be considering abortion at this time? Well, first of all, never ever go with one opinion. No, so this is just the um, medical professional me speaking. I am a pharmacist and I would not take one medical opinion for for gold. I would go and I, I got about maybe, I wanna say around eight to 10 opinions before I even did anything. So make sure you get different opinions because I was told to terminate by a couple doctors and it, it actually was not, not necessary at all. My prognosis didn't change and my treatment plan did not change pregnant or not pregnant. That's number one. Number two, you want to go to Our Lady. Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary, is somebody who knows what it's like to have the sorrows when it comes to your child and the fear. And so if you go to her, she will take those fears. She will bring them to her son and she will beg with you um, in order for him to deliver um, and to bring his mercy upon you and your child. She just understands you more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And lastly, any suffering you have, it doesn't go to waste. I want you to unite it with Christ's cross, whether it is an IV poke and you're thinking about the nails being driven in his hands and feet, or if you're having an agony waiting upon a scan or a test result, think of his agony in the garden and his agony of our sins. Mm. I think those three, those three hints are just some of my um, most amazing advice I can give any woman who's going through any type of tragedy while they are pregnant with cancer, pregnant in general. Very, very wise words. Thank you so much for joining us, Jessica Hanna. God bless you. We're praying for you and your beautiful family. Thank you.
That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing ProLifeWeekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless. Thank you.